0: This program is not intended to diagnose, cure, or treat any disease or disorder. The listener is encouraged to seek sound medical advice from their doctor or other qualified healthcare practitioner before taking any supplements or starting a new health regimen. Welcome to the Nutrition Heretic. I'm Jim Ducharme, your co-host, along here with Adrian Hugh, the Nutrition Heretic herself. Hello, Adrian. Hello, Jim. How are you today? I'm fine. here we are on Valentine's Day weekend, which means you know <laughs> I'm not just, I don't understand Valentine's all that much. I mean, I'm the guy who once gave his wife a couch for Valentine's Day.
1: yeah, I, I really and we wonder why things turn out the way they do
0: <laughs> i I, I gave, Ever the
1: romantic I,
0: I thought that there were romantic overtones in it uh uh, but See,
1: I, I'm, I'm no better because I don't even, um, I, I, I ask for, for toasters and, and kitchen appliances and stuff that most women would cry about. That's the stuff I want. Like if my husband just brought me a pound of mortadella from San Francisco and I'm stoked.
0: Was it shaped in a heart?
1: No, it wasn't. I don't really care about that. <laughs> just, <laughs> just want the meat. Just give me the meat. <laughs>
0: It's okay. Yeah, no, no. I guess, yeah, that would kind of be creepy if it was shaped in the shape of a, of a heart. You know,
1: but they do have those those rib eyes You can get
0: in the shape of facing a
1: heart? each other. So yeah, they they put them in a heart shaped plastic shell, and right. then they slice them in half, and then you then they open up, they fan them out so that they look like they fit right in the shape of the heart. Yeah. Now if that doesn't love. I don't know what does.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I don't know about anybody else, but after a big ribeye steak, I'm not the most romantic guy you're ever going to meet.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't want to take that somewhere I might regret. That's yeah. all
0: I'm saying. Maybe we should just move on because we're about as romantic as a hockey team. Um, yeah.
1: It's... Okay. So this is this is the deal. This week. Yes. Uh, um, as like last night or whatever, I'm
0: looking through
1: uh through my emails and I see this this study, study claims that low B twelve, which is vitamin B twelve, seen in aging autism and schizophrenia. And of course it's by some scientific journal and all of these scientists, you know, because we have to respect the science and the scientists who have been telling me and all my quack friends for the last 20 years that we don't know what the heck we're talking about when we talk about B12 being a significant vitamin that is missing in all of these conditions. They told us that we were crazy, that it didn't exist, that it's not true, and now at least 20 years later they come back saying, "Look what we've just figured out."
0: And B12, they call it B12 because it's 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 a 12-inch needle in the butt, right? It could be. <laughs> See what I did there?
1: Yeah, I see what you did. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Don't do it again. Um, <laughs> so, so what you're saying is, is that, you know, for years the medical establishment has denied that, and, and I mean, it's, it's certainly true that, you know, vitamins are, are downplayed quite often, uh, especially the delivery methods, not as right? as much as
1: minerals. I got to tell you, yeah. vitamins are not downplayed as much as minerals. They still haven't figured out the significance of minerals. Uh, there's there's just a few of us whack jobs out there talking about it, and they're like, oh no no, just get your vitamins and you everything else will fall into place. So I mean, they do recognize the importance of vitamins, but they really like to push their medication. And if you can solve something by either getting somebody to eat the right foods or supplementing them with a a harm, they're much more ready to say, oh, you don't know what you're going to get. Oh, not not me. Don't don't blame me if it goes the wrong way. So uh, what I have taken a beef with, because beef is actually very high in B12, uh, is that they constantly call people like me names and they don't know what the heck they're doing. And then they come back, it takes them two or three decades to come back and figure out what we've known all along and what we've been helping people with all along.
0: But isn't it always the case with, with, you know, with the medical... um you know, I, I was going to say industry, which it uh, is an industry. Yeah, I and mean, I thought you'd latch onto that. It's uh, true. <laughs> <laughs> hey,
1: if, if 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 they're reporting their earnings every year,
0: yes, they're an industry. They're not. You know, they're not really open to change. They're not. I mean, you know, we go through those. You can almost look back at it as a sort of a you know segment off the history of medicine and how you know there were there were people who who downplayed the you know. Um, uh, germs and uh, you know, sanit- uh, you know, um, sanit- sanitize- sanitation and, and that kind of thing. And yet, you know, look what one man did in New York City just by fixing the sanitation situation that existed in New York City, and how the mortality rate was was slashed by his. I can't remember the man's name now, but you but know- now we've gone to an extreme with
1: sanitation. To the point that people are, are so fearful of germs that we don't understand there is a role that germs are not all necessarily bad, for one, yeah. and that the good germs often protect us from the, the so-called bad germs. So we really – everybody loves to talk about moderation, but nobody wants to follow it, and nobody really wants to implement moderation in the way that they they uh, practice their daily lives and the way they practice nutrition the way they practice cleanliness because i'll see people do some really nasty things like you know they'll have i don't know pet hair and the teacups and oh. <laughs> you know just whatever and and then they'll they'll get all wigged out because they saw a feather on the on the shell of the egg that they bought at the
0: supermarket yeah that's yeah no i i I, it's I like, remember, do you know
1: where the egg came from?
0: Yeah. <laughs> that's, you know, that's, it's true. And it's, it, you see it, you know, my daughter, the first time she ever went to a farm and, you know, and saw the eggs and, you know, poop and stuff on them. She goes, oh, that's gross. I'm glad we get our eggs in a store. <laughs> yeah. And I thought that was hilarious. It's like, they're still coming out of the same place there, kiddo. It's just, you know. Well,
1: Actually, uh, I I have a friend who had a really funny story because his, uh, he grew up in a family where they grew their, his grandmother grew her own eggs, raised her own eggs and had her own little garden and stuff. And he and his sister, though, had, were growing up in the city at this point. And his, they go over to grandma's house, and grandma makes eggs, and her his sister refuses to touch the eggs, and so grandma sends her or somebody else down to the corner store to buy some eggs, and she starts eating the eggs, and she's like, "See, these are real eggs; these are the ones from the store. I don't eat these eggs that come out of the chicken." But and then she, she uh, later, twenty years later, finds out that. Uh, grandma used to sell her eggs to the guy down at the store (laughs) at the corner store so she just went back and got her own eggs sweet but she was so she was so uh, adamant about everything being so clean and coming from the store and and sanitation that she didn't even know that it was the same exact freaking eggs that she was eating
0: well you know there is that mythology right that if it's wrapped in plastic it must be clean and sterile and safe and of course we've learned the hard way over the last you know um, especially the last couple of decades it seems that that is not the case Um, right
1: well and and the other thing that we also don't seem to understand is that when they take lab animals and they yes lab animals and they have uh, given them sterile food they die very quickly so the more sterile your food supply the more depleted your body becomes what would sterile food be uh, really a lot of the stuff that's in a box. Have you, have you heard that, uh, so certain... cra-
0: craft dinner is sterile?
1: <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Unless you add milk to it, <laughs> it's pretty, it's pretty sterile. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's borderline. A lot of the stuff that's being sold in these packages to look so good. And this is why kids and, and adults for that matter are so sick. I was talking to a friend of mine. She's the same age. I'm 46. She's 46, and every conversation we have is about her medication. And I'm thinking to myself, "What's she? She has more. She's on more medication than my 81 year old mother was before she died." Hmm. And I'm thinking, "Yeah, this is this is a problem." Especially when most of your meals come out of boxes.
0: Yeah, I yeah. I, I, I mean, there are, I, I, I do think that generally speaking, we could make the case that we are over-medicating our, our children. Um, we're obviously over-medicating ourselves. Right. Uh, but
1: the, 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 this, I, I don't want to go off on a total tangent here. Really? But <laughs> uh, but <laughs> people are, are so obsessed with everyone being a vector of disease and this is causing a Zika virus and all these things are coming at us and we got to protect and do it. It all starts at home. We're we're too busy looking outside of ourselves for these solutions that we don't even start with the most common sense, which is right here, right now. And we've gotten so wrapped up in trying to make everything so clean, so sterile, so uh, sanitized that we are doing ourselves a huge disservice. And yes, children will come home with more illness, but that's not because children inherently pass illness around to one another. It's because... The terrain is
0: compromised yeah and I, you know and i think any parent can can attest to that because the you know one of your kids brings something home or someone in the family brings something home and the reaction to it is different depending on the person like depending on how many like you know the older they are the better they seem to handle it i know i'm generalizing don't don't send me hate mail but <laughs> you, you know do that you, anyway you, you get um yeah, uh, You know, you, you, the the folks that have been around and been a little bit more, you know, exposed to more of these bugs, uh, that cold may not be as bad for them as but, the person. But also
1: remember that those people started out very different from how kids start start out today. Their, the food supply was entirely different. Even before the 1980s, you could say that the food supply was was markedly better than it is today. And going back further, you could say in the 1950s, it was better than in the 1980s. And before that, it was better in the 1900s, before yeah. the whole food processing thing really took over. So, uh, so if people have, have an issue with B12, uh, what often happens is they end up having to get shots. So a lot of kids, I, I've seen this particularly. Well, I've, I've actually seen it in uh, the elderly and in autistic children, where very frequently they are uh, extremely low in B12. Uh, often, uh, in the case of of children, it's it's often because the parents eat a very restrictive diet during. And prior to and in the early year, sorry, uh, during and prior to pregnancy, as well as in the child's early years when that child, uh, they're eating diets that uh, largely don't contain any animal foods. And animal foods are the only assimilable form of B12 in the, in the diet. I know there's a lot of people who say that's uh, that's a crock of shit and that it's uh, there's going to um, be B12 and certain algae and others and those analogs just don't appear to provide what humans can actually use as B12. So they pass through the body. Uh, The elderly, I actually attribute that less to the kind of vegan side of things, but more towards the tasteless diets that are given to the elderly. Uh, we are often told that elderly people do start to lose their digestive capacity. And if you don't, um, uh, produce enough acid in the, in the, uh, in the stomach in particular, uh, intrinsic factor in the stomach, then you will not cleave the B12 that you need for your body to use it. Make sense. And, and what they do is, I'm hung up on the whole cleave thing. (laughs)
0: Sorry.
1: But uh, what happens is that uh, these people, I, I believe that really the huge problem we're seeing with the elderly, yes, I do believe that digestive function may turn down a bit in the elderly. However, I don't think it needs to be as bad as it is. I think a lot of the problem is coming from the fact that the elderly are being told constantly that they've got to eat less salt and less fat and less of the stuff that makes you want to eat. So when salt, for example, sodium chloride, the chloride in salt is uh, part of what makes hydrochloric acid that helps us digest our food. If you don't, if you don't digest your food, you don't get hungry. Your body just eventually starts to shut off that, that, uh, that part of the system. And suddenly you are not digesting your food properly. Uh, So in order to promote good digestion, uh, we want to make sure that we are getting enough fats to assimilate our uh, nutrients that are coming from food and particular minerals, which I, I've already underscored as something uh, terribly overlooked, as well as our, our uh, fat soluble vitamins A, D, E, and K uh, are that's very important. And then of course, you know we need the, the salt to, to kind of make that catalyst to get the digestive juices flowing. And when we, you know, and and, and a, I'm sure that the medical industry is just about to come out with some B12 solution that's even more expensive than the shots, uh, but and they won't want to hear what I have to say. But this is these are the easier ways to start if people are showing signs of compromised B12. Well,
0: that's a that's a pretty good lead in actually to today's guest because we're talking about optimal digestion today, correct?
1: Uh yes. Uh, in in many ways, it's. Uh, but, well, let me introduce uh, Deborah Pell Yaffe. Uh, she is uh, she's been a friend of mine and a fellow certified mm-hmm. nutritionist uh, for how long have we known each other, Deborah? Oh my goodness, fifteen uh, years maybe, at least. Yeah, and uh, she uh, she and I actually met because we also practice uh, energy medicine. And then I found out that in my early days of belly dancing, her husband is on some of my favorite albums. Played on some of my favorite albums, so we've we're like kindred spirits, <laughs> floating through the world. We have so many parallels between our lives' progressions.
2: You know, Adrian, it's really funny. I completely forgot that part—the belly dancing
1: part—and
2: uh-huh. and it's a very interesting time because, yeah, good old Chef Marty played the electric oboe with George Abdo and the Flames of Araby Orchestra at the very famous in the 70s and early 80s, um, the Avaroff restaurant in in, um, Cambridge, Massachusetts. And they created six international albums. Now you can get Smithsonian Folkways flat monitor records, and so they put together a Best of George Abdo. You can get that on Amazon. And and you can hear Marty's amazing. You know, the snaky solos that we all love as cover dancers. And uh, that's how I met him. I was dancing at the Avaroth. And it turns out um, that since then, we haven't seen people from that band since maybe 1981 or so. Mm -hmm. And uh, tomorrow night, as a special for Valentine's Day and for my birthday, which is next week, we are actually going to the Sahara in Worcester, Massachusetts, where Ed Malikian, who played the wood in that uh, group, has his own ensemble. So we're going to actually be having great lamb shish kebab and Lebanese fattoush salad and watching belly dancers and and I'm pressing Marty to bring his elbow for for old times sake
1: Oh, that'd be awesome! <laughs> this is the first um, time I well, actually wanted to be north in the winter <laughs> Oh, yeah
0: yeah. Well, Didn't it, I see those guys open for the village people in 1979?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, don't I thought it was them <laughs> I No, no, wrong, wrong. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wrong! Wrong! Electric oboe. Yes.
1: <laughs> so, so Deborah, with your husband, Chef Marty, you started something called HypnoChef. Chef, can you tell us what HypnoChef is?
2: <laughs> well, um, we're sort of on a journey to uh, sort of settle what that is ourselves. <laughs> it's everything but the kitchen sink. Oh. Okay. But, well, uh, well, you know, basically, you know. We're both hypnotists, and, uh, and, and Marty's the chef, and of course, I'm a nutritionist, and we also do energy medicine of different sorts and energy psychology, and, um, and we just and we have a lot of metaphysical background, and, uh, and we do a lot of meditation types of things, um, especially from a Tibetan Buddhist perspective. Uh, we study with a, a very well-known Lama. And um, and you know we've what we've pretty much put together is as we've grown in terms of working with people is you know we started with nutrition and good food and then we realized you know when we had our restaurant for quite a number of years that part of the reason people really liked our restaurant so much and they actually felt like they digested, speaking of digestion that they were able to digest their food so well was because of Marty's um, attention to you know, to the plate and how it looked, the presentation, the colors, the kind of music we played in the restaurant, um, the atmosphere, uh, the congeniality, the sense of community, um, the kind of art we had on the walls, everything. We were sort of ahead of our time without realizing it yeah. um, in this psychology of eating and food. And, um and just for our own selves, then we became we, we became interested in hypnosis and, and became certified at,
0: uh,
2: in that. Uh, um, and so, pretty much, we learned a lot about the mind and uh, and food and digestion and health and the interaction of that. So I, I kind of think of hypnotherapy as being sort of where the mind where mind and matter meet the science of your platter kind of thing.
1: Uh, I like that as a slogan. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I
2: mean, because we're really looking at, you know, Marty and I were discussing this earlier today uh, in preparation to speaking to you all. and, um, And, you know, our view of things is that pretty much everything is food in some sense. And, um, and everything affects how how that uh, how we receive the food, and digest it, and absorb it, and utilize it. And so there's many 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 things that you can talk about. You know what we do in our work with people. Uh, every person that comes, of course, as you know, as an nutritionist, you know each person is different. Exactly. And in it, so it, it has to be client centered. So sometimes people just come to us, and they what they really need is just a loving heart listening to their troubles with food. <laughs> right. you know, maybe, maybe they're trying to break up with a certain, with caffeine or something and, and, um, and they're finding it very difficult and uh, maybe they're just, um, maybe they're someone who's struggling with portion size or, or feeling like they've eaten enough and they just need to change the size or color of their plate. Uh, there's a whole lot of research going on and things that we've been just doing for years So just like you were saying, people used to think we were like nuts and what is this crap you're talking about? Well, now the research is coming down and out there. Um, And it's it's very important research because it's um, research that's even to the point of saying sound, ambient sound can be affecting how you perceive the taste of your food. So they're recognizing all these things that Marty and I have been sort of just doing for Naturally, for years, um, and uh, you know, I think I even mentioned to you, like uh, uh, in the Facebook, there just just even the fact of being touched and loved can totally change how um, how you receive food. And of course, we're looking at this in the sense of uh, you know coming from that Buddhist background, just the, everything about the meal. The perfect meal is all about the perfect diner, and that's really about the diner's mind. And it has to do with um, this concept of interdependence, you know. Right. So so you're eating, we're looking at, um, uh, uh, you know, people's digestion and their relationship. We're looking at their relationship with food and with eating uh, in terms of not total whole body nourishment. Right. And some, some of that nourishment, um, I, I had a laugh actually, you know, I mean, I was just mentioning that about research is that, um, just maybe a couple of weeks ago, um, I came across some research, which apparently is very popular right now, um, man, Charles Dent uh, having to do with uh, sound and music and things like that with food. And, you know, for a while, um, You know, Marty was actually doing, inviting people over for dinner, and he had this whole concept that, you know, as you know, he's a musician and he's a composer, and his whole idea was not just a composition on the plate, but but to do like pairings, like musical pairings Mm. (laughs) with your meal, you know, or even when you were cooking, because there there again, there's also about the love that goes into the food, you know what I mean? If you're very very sensitive, you know you really can tell the difference between something that's been prepared for you with love and something that was like that person had a really bad day.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, it's funny that you say that because uh, often when I cook, I I always have cooked in uh, a way that is just very organic, and I do. Sometimes use recipes, but it 's more about I, I use the recipes more about the technique you know to get mm-hmm. the right amount of searing or whatever I need to either seal in the flavor or or meld the flavors the right way and that 's where I normally will consult with a recipe but uh, when i share show people how to make things and then they go to try and make it themselves there 's you could just see the yeah, difference okay. in intent. And they go, well, it doesn't taste like yours. And I intent. said, well, because you didn't approach the flower with the right hands or you didn't. And it's, it's sometimes it's just the mechanics. It's not, it, it, but just think about the difference between uh, if you were asked to hold a, a little child's hand versus holding your, perhaps your your spouse's hand to mm-hmm. holding the hand of someone, you know, Ted Cruz, uh, <laughs> so, right. you know what I'm saying? Like, you, <laughs> you, you, would, you would, approach that with su- such a different energy coming from you. Absolutely. And so I always say to people, just, just be peaceful with it. Be peaceful with the whole process of cooking. That's right. Just, just bring as, as much contentment as you can, not even necessarily love, just contentment and, and pride in the fact that you have this opportunity to do this for yourself. Right. Because if, you don't, if, if you're not going to nourish yourself with food, then all your speech is about wanting to nourish yourself. You're, you could probably just throw them out the window because that's where <laughs> – seriously, that's kind of where we start, isn't it, as humans? We, we, you know, if we can't start with the things that we need to survive – that's and true. showing ourselves love, then all all of the all the woo woo talk about how they want to you know take care of myself and nourish and do all this stuff, then and, and nur- or nurture uh, it, it doesn't really make any sense to me anymore. So because right. it seems like they're, uh, to speak to what I said earlier, it seems like in those cases people are looking for something outside of themselves. Yeah.
0: So
1: you bring, know, you're
2: bringing up. Um... You're reminding me of a very important issue. Um, uh, You know, when we became... We started from food and nutrition, and we've always seen how that affects your mood and all that stuff, right? Yeah. And and so when I became a hypnotist, uh, it's sort of heresy, and and I'm sort of a heretic in the hypnosis world because so many hypnotists really insist that... um, you know you just need to change the mind, and then you know everything's going to be okay yeah, you know and especially this is in in terms of you know of course, you know the bread and butter for most is weight loss and mostcies exactly and um, and you know i I really sometimes get into a little uh, some some fights with people because they're not looking at the nutrition the real nutrition right um, and you know if you're going to do uh, a bad food plan, uh, you know, yes, you will have good results with the hypnosis. The hypnosis will work for, you know, if the person does their homework, it'll accomplish that end of things. And it may even help overcome cravings for a while or their, their behavior in terms of what they're eating and everything. But at some point, you know, the, the body, I'm sure you've read uh, uh, Candace Kirk's Molecule of Emotion, um, and you know she, she comes right out and says you know your body is the sub kind right so you can only hold off so many things with you know the subconscious mind and the, in terms of uh, hypnosis work in beliefs because at some point you know if, if you are not eating properly that hormonal cycle is going to kick in and you're done for There's a biochemistry that can't be over. Over, uh, you know, over, oh, oh, uh, overrun, overrun right. by, um, you know, by the hypnosis. They have to work hand in hand, right? And and, and that's
1: and that's, and that's,
2: so that's something. Really I think that's where we originally were thinking about hypnochef Is that you know you really are looking at the mind and the body, the nutrition and psychology, and the hypnosis work together. Uh, um, but it became much broader you know, the things that turned out we could do.
1: it. So. What, what I was going to say is that uh, this was, uh, is something that in the EFT community um, emotional freedom technique community that I've often butted mm-hmm. heads with people on. And it's funny because when I talked to Gary Craig, he would say he, he completely got it. Yes, you do. You know, you don't need to eat chocolate and all this other stuff that everybody's trying to tell you is uh, you know good for you. The new fad foods and, and the, Processed food, He's, he has never endorsed, as far as our conversations went, never endorsed just keeping your diet the same. Uh, same thing with Donna Eden. She is uh, 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 from you know, Eden uh, um, Energy Medicine. She also mm-hmm. talks about how we have all of these wonderful, real foods. Uh, uh, Louise Hay talks about it. All of these people talk about this, but a lot of the people who follow them never hear that part of the message somehow. Mm -hmm. And so uh, where I've butted heads with people is letting them understand, for example, EFT is often used for pain, right? Yeah. And there's a concept of chasing the pain. So, yeah, you started – when you came to me, you had a pain in your knee. Now it's in your low back. And then you chase it from there to your neck. Why is it – why are you chasing it away so much is because you never – corrected the underlying (laughs) fundamental ingredients that are going into your body that would make the change last
2: exactly in fact that's funny you said that because um earlier today i was reading about you know how serotonin having enough serotonin can really help reduce pain (laughs) discomfort you know that's that's why those serotonin foods are kind of like comfort foods right right (laughs) so um Yeah, well, um... EFT is interesting because, you know, from my perspective, uh, EFT I came to before even hypnosis, and EFT is really, for me, um, it really is a hypnosis, but that's another heresy, you know?
1: Right. (laughs) (laughs) So
2: I'm right with you,
0: heretic.
1: (laughs) Well, there there you go, fellow heretic. (laughs) So uh, I think Jim had something to ask.
0: Well, I just, and, and aren't serotonin levels also closely related to mood? In other words, often how they treat depression is with um, medicines designed to boost serotonin?
2: That's, uh, yeah, that is true. They do that, and then those things can backfire in that kind of a setting, as I'm sure Adrian probably spoke about before. Um, but yeah, serotonin, is it's your happy mood chemical. And that's why one of the things that I also do is I teach, um, I'm a senior trainer with the Tai Chi for Health Institute. And um, Dr. Paul Lam, who's a medical doctor, uh, put together these easy to do, easy to learn programs for um, arthritis and diabetes and such. And, and definitely one of the things that I, I speak of, you know, when I'm teaching a class, if we're doing something like Tai Chi walking or even just a little program, I actually remind people that this uh, motion, this rocking motion and the tai chi walking, helps your body if you, provided. You've given it, like um, you know, Adrian and I were talking earlier. You have to have the building blocks in there. So once you've got the building blocks of the food in there, then all these other things like like tai chi or you know like movement, exercise, like that gentle exercise or rock skiing, and just rocking things can. Um, can help the body uh, produce you know more serotonin and then you just feel, and that's part of why you feel better exercise helps you feel better that's part of it right you know, you're definitely up and, and I consider you know so that's part of our hypno Chef thing is you know movement is it's an essential nutrient your body craves this you know and so you know one of the things we talk about in um you know hypno Chef is uh Marty, likes, Marty and I like the uh, the concept of what we call the other comfort foods. So you know, we use hypnosis and and good food training and cooking uh, classes to help people uh, reframe what's a comfort food. So maybe they were thinking of that mac and cheese and that hamburger. And, well, hamburgers, like, I mean, like a junk food hamburger, not a real hamburger. <laughs> <laughs>
1: be and got and, yeah, to and, and, yes, <laughs> we need to distinguish these things yes. because, uh, and that was actually one of my questions for you, is, you know, why do people perceive comfort foods as inherently unhealthy? uh as I well, said, I think it was last week on the show or the week before. I said I will you, give me the taco. I'll eat a taco. I'll eat pizza. I will eat hamburgers. Yeah. I'll eat bacon double cheeseburgers. <laughs> I'll be okay. I'll eat pretty pretty much anything as long as it's real food. But unfortunately, many of these foods have been introduced or or in the mainstream appear as a processed piece of right. leather. <laughs> or, well, I was going to say we call those uh, what do
2: we call we like to call those edible products. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> they're not food. They're edible products. Right. People are eating them. They're products that people eat, but they're not food. <laughs>
1: they're not. They're, they're absolutely not even food.
2: Yeah. But we like to, you know, that's our job is to help. Uh, you know, we use all the tools that we have. We use our hypnosis skills, EFT, Z point uh, Marty's cooking skills, uh, um, nutrition knowledge. So we use all those things to help people uh, reframe what a comfort food is. And it, and within those comfort foods, we like to include things like um, things that you don't think of as comfort food in the whole body, whole soul system. And that would be things I mentioned like touch, music, um, nature, uh, sleep is a big comfort food. Right. <laughs> uh, light itself, um, Breathing, getting good air, water, uh, beauty. You know, like I remember uh, one of the one of the most precious things uh, when my daughter went to college. She went to Northeastern University, and um, and pretty much, you know, when she had exams coming up, uh, she would go to. It was right near the Museum of Fine Arts, and I'd say, well, where are you? You know, she's texting or where are you? Oh, I'm at the MFA having my beauty break. Because that was so nourishing to just release some stress, be fed through, you know, it's like your soul needs some food, you know. And it actually translates into better digestion, as it turns out, of course, better absorption of nutrients and just your whole uh, energy of your whole system benefits. Meditation, we do a lot of um, custom work with affirmations and prayers, teaching people to do their own you know, be their own hypnotist, because words are so incredibly powerful. So if they're always telling themselves, like, um, they're a picky eater, you know, right. let's say they're having starting to have health problems because they're such a picky eater. It's, we've seen or or as in time.
1: Jim's case, I hate
0: vegetables. You remember right. that one,
1: Jim? <laughs>
0: oh, yeah. I was one of them. I have a, I have a t-shirt that says that. <laughs> Yeah, but so we have <laughs> hypnosis for you.
1: <laughs> so what would you do with someone like Jim? Because Jim well, told yeah. me – what would you do with someone like Jim? Because Jim told me the other day he was he was eating – what was it? Canned ham with canned potatoes?
0: Yeah, it was really good mm. once it was fried.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, fried. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, what, what what do we do with him? Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even sure where to start with this one. I mean, what, one of the things I've always told my, my clients – is to start put to. I don't care if. You, first of all, don't eat on paper plates. Uh, there's no bigger sacrilege than eating on a paper plate unless you're at a picnic.
2: Okay? Well, you know that's. I'm uh, so I you said that, Adrian, because um, that was something else I was thinking about in terms of, you know, the thing about presentation and the important the messaging that your body your. You know, like I said, your body is intertwined. It is your subconscious mind. Right. And your, and your regular thinking subconscious mind, you know, no understands messages, you know, and it works in symbols. Your subconscious mind is like a child, you know. It's just it's very literal. It works with images and pictures. And so, um, and it's very literal. So if you, um, they've done studies that have actually shown I'm sure you, my, one of my favorite books is mindless eating by uh, brian lansing okay um, i don't know if you've read that but
1: no i, I read one though that uh was, what was it? the slowdown diet uh-huh. and that, that had some really nice tips and and uh, a lot of this i i see i come back to actually another book that you had recommended to me um on metabolism i think it was jump start your metabolism uh and really that oh, yeah. a lot of a lot of these, really? these techniques uh that you're talking about seem to come back to one common ancestor, you <laughs> think deeply. Yes, and oxygenating absolutely. the body when you relax, when you eat in a relaxed atmosphere, whether it's induced by music or uh, the company that you keep, or the beautiful dishes that you're eating on, or
2: they all affect the breathing. Exactly,
1: they state. all because when you're relaxed, you breathe more deeply, and when you breathe more deeply, you get more oxygen, and when you get more oxygen, you digest your food better. Yep.
2: Yep. and it, yeah, and you provide the uh, the fire to reach
1: exactly. Yeah. The, the, yeah, the oxygen is the fire. Or yeah. the, it fans the flames.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So breathing is certainly an essential comfort food and good water. Um,
1: so um, it, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to r- uh, wrap up, I mean, we never really got to what you would do with Jim, but.
2: <laughs> well, I, I can tell you. I mean, we did have a success story once of someone who um, was a very picky eater, and of, and of course they hated pretty much all vegetables and whatever you know, <laughs> and. Uh, and so Marty and I both work with that person, and pretty much um, to begin with, you know, of course, a lot of picky eaters. I mean, Jim, you're you're exceptional in that you actually put stuff in a pan and cook it. A lot of picky eaters won't cook, you know, so that's an issue right there. And they have it's an identity, and it's really that ad- identity is built up from a belief system. So if someone believes they're a picky eater, uh, and you know, then we do some hypnosis analysis works to find out, like, you know, what are they getting out of that? Why does, you know, why is this belief in being sustained and for what purpose? You know, sometimes there's other issues going on and they're maintaining that identity. Sometimes it turns out they're picky because of, you know, you find out what the reason is if they're being so picky. And, um, and generally, you know, having a good cook like Marty, who's inventive and creative and, uh, like that, and, uh... You know, you start by, uh, I'm sure you know this, like treating yourself like a child. <laughs> you know, you have to sneak the food, the vegetables into things, you know. So so we have a lot of tricks having to do with that, you know, making um, food that really tastes good and yet the vegetables are, are in the food and, they you know, the person doesn't even realize it. Um, and so once they get the idea that they've eaten the beet, you know, in a chocolate cake or something, or a tomato cake, or a ginger zucchini roll-up, one of my favorites. <laughs> At the end of the summer, what do you do with all those zucchinis? Um, so once you start getting the idea that they've actually imbibed it, that's step one. Like, oh yeah, they can't say that they're so picky that they'd never eat it if they've already eaten it. So right. they start to get used to the idea that they could eat these things that have good things for them. And then, and then there are a lot of techniques having to do with, um, you know, uh, sometimes there's reframing, looking at changing your perception of something. Um, and and there's what I, you know, the, the first time I ever saw something like this that blew me away it was um, I love hypnosis stage shows, and I saw somebody on a stage show, the hypnotist actually had gave the person an onion told them it was a big, gorgeous apple to take a nice, big, juicy bite out of that apple. And the person did, and they actually were enjoying it until the hypnotist said, But it's really an onion. Right. (laughs) So, you know, it's really about our mind, you know. And so we do some different things, uh, you know, hypnosis techniques to help people move slowly. And then, of course, there's also the question I always respect you know, I, I can't believe how many people want to just give up a food because they think, they have a belief about it, you know, and, and that's like this magic thing that's going to change their
1: life. Yeah, you know? and and often like, that's, that's a bad move. <laughs> exactly. Particularly yeah. if you're giving up a real food. If you're giving up something that really can't qualify as food, that's one thing. Right. But uh, to give up uh, entire categories of food uh, yes. because of some... Like you say faulty belief system uh or or some some way it's going to make you an ally of whatever rock star just said he went on a diet or <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, it's right? uh it is it is it is disturbing, but yeah, people really dig themselves into a hole with that yeah and 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 I do find it particularly uh disturbing when I hear people in this kind of hypnosis energy psychology law of attraction type of setting talk denigrate real foods and i'm thinking Mm -hmm. to myself okay so you believe in the law of attraction how do you not believe that this energy junk sorry so that means
2: they're junk attracting junk
1: (laughs) yeah basically but but also but you know when they when they get to a point where they start denying real foods because they're so inherently bad for you and you know, this is going to change the world if I everybody eats like me, kind of thing. Uh, and and when they get into that state, it seems like they're yeah, they're they're not attracting the right thing because now they're sending out all this negativity exactly they're towards coming. towards food. And and what en- ends up happening is little by little, their diets get stricter and stricter and stricter because they create so much anxiety from one exactly. meal to the next. Exactly. Um, so what are, what are a few suggestions that you can leave with people? Uh, and, and they could be things that you've already said, but maybe two or three things that you feel are, are really important for people to understand before we go today.
2: Well, um, as we were just talking a minute ago, I was thinking that one of the most important things uh, that I've seen with my clients and certainly with myself when I was working on becoming, uh, you know, getting over being a junk food junkie, was that cleansing, nutritional nutritional cleansing. So I'm not talking about some weird thing. You know, that's a whole other conversation about real cleansing. Um, uh, That really affects, you know, the toxins that we are exposed to and have been holding on to, especially if we've grown up in this McDonald's fast food society eating that way. It really has affected our taste buds. And and um, and so, uh, I think learning about real cleansing, not not insane, right? You know, kinds of things. But um, you yeah, learning to like real foods that'll help your body um, adjust and become normalized for taste. That's yes. kind of an important thing. Um, one thing I we didn't speak about, but uh, you know, Marty does Chinese herbs. He's got a training in Chinese herbalism. And so there's a whole thing about five element constitutional. Yes. And and that's a very important thing. I don't know much about Ayurvedic, but that's the same kind of idea that there's certain imbalances and those create, those are like that causative root of the problem. Right. And there's there's ways. So looking at energetics, learning more about energetics of the body and uh, and of the foods um, it's a good thing. And um, and I think probably to me the most important thing um, in terms of, is of our, our relationship with food is to really broaden that idea and to re- reduce stress as much as possible and go back to those basics of just traditional real food is not going to harm you. <laughs> you yeah. Know? But like you can rely on that. It was very reliable for many years. Sure, more than but, just many but,
1: years, my dear. Millions yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. of years. <laughs> like like
2: billions of years, yes. Yeah. And and to include with that, you know, to to not be just a one source food like like just traditional food, but to look at the other things, like to eat with people you enjoy, to have the color, even if you're just looking at a flower. Um, to take time to pray or have gratitude, like, you know, have some blessings with your breakfast or something, Um, you know, joyful movement. Uh, And and really the most important thing to me is really watching our language. You know, our body is listening very carefully. And um, uh, using uh, positive uh, language skillfully uh, can really... uh, really transform your relationship with food
1: right right well I, I, I often comment that people will tell me, "Oh well, I feel fine eating whatever it is, and you know they're eating they 're down to eating like twelve foods now, and you know oh, I feel great and oh, I, I never get sick, but when you're not talking about their diet and they 're not on the defensive about it, you hear mm-hmm. about every freaking ache and pain and this falling off and <laughs> you know, dusty exactly. this and <laughs> oozing that. And it's just, you know, so many <laughs> so many things that are, are going on. So uh, just as, as the body's listening, I'm listening to you too. <laughs> so you can't get one over on me. And I would certainly tell people, and the other thing I
2: would tell people too, it's also very important that you can't underestimate the power, the power of sleep.
1: Oh, you yeah. Know? We need to sleep, repair. If, you
2: know, if people... Sleep has to be repaired because that is a huge thing in terms of our uh, the whole cortisol and insulin and everything that has to do with our our need to eat our eating habits very intertwined with
1: sleep. Absolutely, absolutely, it is it is a a, a very needed nutrient, and uh, I I would say as much. As, well, I definitely think movement is important, but when I see people you know running marathons and bike-a-thons and this and that, and they're, they're doing all of these you know, more demanding types of exercise yep. while sacrificing their sleep to do it. I'm like, yep. you got to flip that equation. Exactly, because and, and it's and that's another thing is that a lot of people become addicted to exercise, which that in itself is a little worrisome, uh, particularly exactly. when they have damaged their knees, their feet, their whatever that they need to, you know, their elbow uh, t- to uh, pra- practice whatever sport it is. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, there's well, if, the you, if you're the not body. getting the benefits, like you're obviously not getting any benefits from this other than the psychological benefit. Uh, your body is breaking down for a reason, get some sleep and get some good food into you.
2: You know, in the end, I mean, you know, my mother came from a Greek family, and um, and so she was always into that. It's like my big fat Greek wedding, right? Everything right. comes from Greek. Everything comes from Greek. Yeah. <laughs> so, as you're speaking, I'm hearing it in my mind as my mother's speaking. Oh, well, you know, the Greeks always said everything in moderation. <laughs> and, and no matter how many thousands of years, and no matter how many scientific theories about this food and this diet and this exercise plan, doesn't it always come back to the, that basic everything well, actually, in moderation? The,
1: the, actually, <laughs> the quote is actually, uh, the quote translated is actually moderation in all things, which is a little yes. bit different than yes. everything in moderation, isn't it? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, because people think, oh, everything in moderation. I'm going to vote buy Pop Tarts. I need my Pop Tarts to balance this. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> anyway, we Dem- used to call that cheating in the zone when we exactly. used to do Gary Sears' um, program. Just, I can have this so glass lovely. of this, with this, this ice cream with this cake, and I'm balanced. Yeah, exactly,
1: exactly. <laughs> yeah, and and that's what that's where everything in moderation doesn't really pan out for you, does it? Uh, but um, what I wanted to say is that you have given us a copy of the cleanse, correct, that we can uh, give yeah. to on our site? Yeah, it's just a basic...
2: Um, uh, uh, a little report on um, just some thoughts about cleansing, nutritional cleansing for, for the body, mind, and
1: spirit. Awesome, so. awesome. And you know, I think we need to come up with another word for cleansing.
2: Yeah, it's, I, it's I so, agree. It's,
1: the, the cleansing and detoxing most people, when they talk about it, they're just talking about the surface. They're just saying like, "Oh, we're just going to empty your digestive tract for a few days, and that's it." Uh, but when you and I talk about these terms, we're talking about something that goes to a much deeper level, going into the cells, cleaning out the glands uh, and, and the organs, and uh, letting them do their jobs properly.
2: Exactly, cellular cleansing.
1: Right. Exactly. So this it's a it's a very different concept. So if you think this is just another starvation a master cleanse kind of thing that it's it's this is not that
0: this is something
1: totally Correct. different
0: Correct.
1: all right and uh jim can you give us our url I sure will
0: nutritionheretic.com and if you want to check out the podcast you can check out nutritionheretic.com slash podcast and uh if you if you're on what what am i saying if you're on facebook of course you're on facebook the entire galaxy is on facebook <laughs> Facebook.com slash Nutrition Heretic, that's our Facebook page. If you want to get in touch with us and and, and be be on the show, you can contact us through our Facebook page, or you can go to our website and uh, contact us there. And remember, please, if you're listening to us on iTunes or on Stitcher, please review and rate the show. That's really important to us. So please get in there, give us a few stars, say a few words, takes a moment of your time, and we will be forever grateful and we'll keep bringing you more of this awesome content and more of this yummy mind food. We will keep bringing it your way. <laughs> Thank you so much uh, Adrian. Thank you Deborah. Great show and
1: Yeah, thanks for having. Thanks for having me. This thanks Debbie. Thanks Jimmy. See you next week, Jim. See you Jim. next week.